Gold's looking strong. The dollar's looking strong. Bitcoin's looking strong. A lot of our core positions are looking strong. Leah Thomas is looking strong. The slap heard around the world. Chris Rock and Will Smith will get into that. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This one is episode 162 of our weekly session called Bizarro World. Nick, I was watching the Oscars because I had nothing else to do. I was in fun old Tennessee. I was in Nashville. Fell in love with Nashville. I get back having a vodka soda. I'm winding down watching the Oscars because there's not much else on. And (laughs) keep my wife's name out of your mouth. (laughs) Then I couldn't fall asleep for another three hours. So I'm not running off a lot of sleep here, but doing great. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well, Gerardo. I'm fresh off a a trip as you are. And uh, I had some fun and I plenty to talk about. So if you want to start with the, the slap, I'm happy to. And I, I can even tell you a funny story if you want. Let's before, start with the funny story. I love so a funny story. I'm traveling last night because I'm coming back from my trip. I had to fly from San Antonio to Seattle, Seattle to Spokane. And I'm waiting in Seattle for my layover. I go and use the restroom. And uh, there's a gentleman talking uh, on his phone in the, in the stall beside me. And it seems like he's consoling someone. And no idea what he's talking about, how... Um, this black on black violence, and it's you know <laughs> it's reflective of the you know uh, things in our in our community that we, you know we still don't have respect for each other. And I'm sorry it upset you so bad. And I'm I'm thinking, man, who slapped who? Like, what's going on here? And then of course, uh, a couple hours later, I realized what had happened. While I was in transit, of course, uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock in the face as you. And just said, and that's all everyone is talking about uh, this week, at least on Monday. We're recording this late because we were traveling last week. So where do you want to start? I think everyone's got plenty to say about it. It's it's broken the Internet today. Black on black violence. Can't talk about women. Uh, do comedians have free reign? Uh, artistic liberty. Uh, I'm happy to talk about all that stuff. Um, and let's talk about. All of it. Let's go. Let's go in order here. Do comedians have, you know, our artistic and creative um, license and and ability? Well, of course they do. But words also have consequences. And sometimes you got to watch whose name you say and how you say it. Right. And so what was interesting to me was that there were other jokes made during that broadcast about Will and Jada that the couple took took really, really well. And initially when the joke was made, and for those that didn't watch, Will Smith and his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, were in the crowd and Chris Rock was up presenting an award and went into you know his spiel and did a couple of jokes. And he made a G.I. Jane joke um, looking at Jada and said, I can't wait till the next G.I. Jane. For those not familiar, Jada Pinkett Smith has a condition that she's been dealing with that she's been public about, about being insecure about it and how tough it's been on her, just mental health wise. Um, And it causes her to lose her hair. And so I did think the joke was classless. I thought it was in bad taste. Um, Fucking joke. It's a fucking joke. Also, I think Will handled it poorly. Both things can be true, right? You could have taken offense to the joke and handled it behind the scenes in the locker room, right? I thought there was a better way to approach that. Um, I thought if you really were that offended 
Um, there's probably a conversation or a scuffle. Scuffles are okay. Sometimes people deserve to get hit. Um, do that privately. I didn't think the Oscars and that telecast was the venue for it. But I understand it because there's also a history between Chris Rock and Jada Pinkett Smith where he's antagonized her in other award shows and, and used her as fodder. And so I think that's where his comment to Chris Rock about keeping his wife's name out of his mouth came from. There was already some resentment there. And I think in part, Will was just waiting to see, is, is, is this motherfucker going to do it again? Is he going to pick on my wife in front of me? And I think when he did it in the manner that he did it, I think that's kind of what set him off. Again, I don't think I don't think the response. I'm not encouraging um, slapping anyone in front of the uh, of, of of the Academy Awards, right? But also, I, I I also understand. I don't think Jada was amused. You know, I looked at the look on her face, and she was none none too pleased uh, by the joke. Twitter's hilarious. The memes have been absolutely hilarious. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, it's a conflict between two very, very, very well-off millionaires that probably could have been resolved in a different manner and fashion. And luckily, no one was really hurt. Chris Rock's got a solid chin on him. He took the slap well. It's probably lucky that Will didn't go ahead and actually punch him because, you know, people people don't remember, Will trained for a year for Ali, where he, he did extremely, extremely good work for that part. Will knows how to hit you if you really wanted to hit you. And so I think... That was the reason for the open-handed slap. But look, all things are valid. Friends and I were discussing it. My brother and I were discussing it. We all have different takes on it. You know, my my brother felt bad for Jada. You know, he said it puts her in a horrible position. She can defend herself. I'm sure. But he also has, you know, the right to, if he wants to speak up, speak up for his wife. Um, and then I get the other side of it too. You know, uh, delicate flowers, like take a joke, um, handle it privately. All things can be true. I think that... Um, Look, I think if you and I walked up to Chris Rock and slapped him in the face, yep. we would have not only been arrested, charged with assault, but That's we it. also would have got stomped out by security on live TV, by the way. And so there, there's definitely a double standard. And I think, look, that double standard speaks to something that we've been talking about on the podcast here since the beginning of this thing. There are different rules for different people, folk. And y'all, like, <laughs> I don't know if there's a better example um, a more recent one is a better way to put that. A more recent example of that than this. Anybody else? You're getting hauled off in handcuffs. You're not allowed to go back to your seat, sit down, and then go win Best Actor sure. and talk about how you're a vessel for love and how you're aiming to be a vessel for love. I thought that was hilarious, too. He went in full character mode. But I tell you what was the funniest thing about the whole whole interaction. When Will won for Best Actor, he walked up to receive his award. And Samuel L. Jackson gave him the, I've been waiting to punch and slap that motherfucker for the longest time kind of high five. Like he was congratulating him, right? And I thought that was hilarious as well. That's probably the thing that made me laugh the most because the incident was unfortunate. But Samuel L. Jackson's reaction to, to giving Will his award when he first got up there, you know when you give somebody an extra little bit of dap, like, good, you got him. Been trying to get him. I thought it was hilarious. I thought that was the funniest thing of the whole thing. <laughs> oh man i probably won't get all my thoughts thoughts out articulately um first of all these people don't fucking matter as ricky gervais told you at the golden globes a couple of years ago you probably have less education than greta thunberg get up there get your fucking award and go sit the fuck back down um that's the first thing uh the second thing is take a fucking joke man like we have roasts on comedy central we make 
fun of all this stuff. It speaks a little bit to woke culture, right? Like, um, you know, like Chris Rock said, it was a fucking G.I. Jane joke, dude. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and so uh, let's talk about, like you said, and no one else can do that, right? And and, and I'm big on uh, freedom of speech, obviously. So yep. if you can get punched in the face for exercising your, your First Amendment right, especially in a forum where you're supposed to be uh, doing that, um, I think it's a dangerous precedent. I think Will Smith should have apologized to everyone, not just the uh, Academy. Uh, what kind of a example does that set for, for, for young men all across the country? We talked about Juwan Howard on this yep. podcast a couple of weeks yep. ago. You can't just walk around punching people in the face, man. Will Smith laughed at that joke, by the way, if you watch the clip closely. He, did. he didn't take offense to it until his wife no. said no. Um, and so a lot going on there. I'd also say that the Oscars are growing more and more irrelevant. It was the, they're coming off the lowest viewership uh, in history in 2021. I wouldn't put it past being staged was my first actual um, reaction, right? They did all sorts of things to get the ratings up this year, right? We got three hosts this year. We got the female host. It's inclusive. This is the black Oscars. And like, I mean, they're, they're trying real fucking hard, Gerardo. I mean, uh, so hard that they might stay. We got a uh, Spanish song on there. Uh, a slap, oh, was it from Encanto? Yeah. <laughs> Way um, and so, you know, what else? I mean, you know, Ricky Gervais was talking about uh, abortions at the Golden Globes and said Dame Judi Dench ate her own fucking snatch. Like, come on, get out of here with that shit. That's the forum to make the jokes. Everyone gets made fun of there. I don't want to hear it. Will Smith acted very, very poorly, I think. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, that's about it. My, I think my favorite meme was that's why he had to move to Bel Air with his uncle and get out of Philly. Uh, yeah, causing <laughs> trouble on the playground for sure. I had all those thoughts. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate. I get it. And the other Don't thing, sorry, still, no, you're good. I feel like Will Smith, um, at least in the the past couple of years, uh, has been trying very hard to. Uh, stay relevant. Uh, granted, he was uh, in the running for best Oscar this year, which is the thing that should make you relevant, right? Not the, the sure. slapping of someone on stage, but um, he is not one who was foreign to theatrics. Agreed. I mean, this is a guy, you know, that, and, and, and again, to be clear, as an actor, I love Will Smith. I think he's done some great work, right? Ali was great. He was great in a number of movies. Um, but yeah, this was it, was, it was in poor taste. It was in the wrong place. Um, it was definitely, definitely, definitely an error in judgment. And he's very, very fortunate to be very well off and to be a celebrity. Um, cause nobody else would have been able to pull that off. Great entertainment though. And like I told, you know, some friends earlier, Hey, at the end of the day, both of those millionaires are going to be all right. Don't yeah. worry about it guys. And, and, it's not that serious. And I will say this. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I, I will say this. People are taking it way That's my, too that seriously. That was what I was going to say. The fact that we, we have, have to, yeah. the fact that we have to analyze it, that we talk about women's feelings and you know how women who lose their hair feel. That's not the point of this. And uh, analyzing stuff like that is partially what's wrong with a, a lot of society. Is that everything uh, gets put under such a lens, and everyone has to have their voice, and we try to make um, everything fair and just. Uh, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more in this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, sometimes you're the butt of the joke. Sometimes you're the window shield. Sometimes you're the bug. 
That's it. That's it. And sometimes dumb stuff just happens. And, and yeah, this was this was one of those. Again, highly entertaining. Both of those millionaires are going to be okay for people on Twitter and out there and social media that, you know, are trying to politicize this. Get a life, man. It ain't that big a deal. Move on. <laughs> Let's get to the real world. Let's get to the markets. Gold is solidly above 1900 while the dollar index is flirting with 100 once again. Um, we, by the way, still have a war going on where thousands of real people are really losing their lives. We have millions of people that have now been displaced um, as a result of the Russian invasion into the Ukraine. Um, those are real world issues. We have a president right now um, that regardless about how you feel about him personally or how you feel about his policy um, is, is requesting multi-trillion dollar budgets adding to not only the military budget, but adding to a, 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 a domestic police budget that already seems pretty substantial in itself. Now, how we allocate those dollars is a whole different conversation and that, that we can talk about that as well. But I don't think, I, you know, when I look around the country here in the U.S., I don't think our police budgets are, are, are slim. Um, I don't think our police budgets are, you know, <laughs> um, begging for uh, new reinforcements. We have a milita militarized police that, if anything, needs to get demilitarized and retrained, in my opinion, right? There's better ways to do policing in this country. Um, I'm a big fan of community policing. Again, another conversation for another day. But why is Joe Biden proposing a wealth tax during a war going into a slowing economy where the Fed is vowing now to tackle the inflation it didn't see coming and then said was transitory? Why is he looking to tackle that by including a tax on unrealized gains. Let me say that again. They want to tax unrealized gains at certain points of the trajectory higher. Now, you're not going to be able to capture those losses at the same point for unrealized losses. I don't understand, again, however you feel about them, however which way you lean politically, how people can't see that this is just a power and a money grab. It seems desperate to me. It also seems foolish. And by foolish, I mean stupid as all hell. Um, not a taxation expert. You certainly can't tax uh, unrealized capital gains. Uh, it seems political, right? Heading into the um, midterms when he's got a, a, a slipping approval rate and um, inflation is obviously rampant and uh, things are costing more. And he's tap dancing around feigning support for Ukraine, right? While not really allocating any of that military that we have such a big, mighty, gargantuan, phallic budget for. Um, and so uh, you want to know about the tax? Uh, I was going to talk about the red line, but... Um, talk about both. Yeah, so the tax, you know... <laughs> kind of go hand in hand, it, right? It's on billionaires, but it's not. It's not on billionaires. It's on multi-hundred millionaires. And as I've expressed before, you know... Uh, I'm fine with, with, with taxes, and I'm certainly fine with distinguishing between the 1% and the 0.01%. Like that's an important distinction that has to be made, and I've said that. Um, but let's go about taxing them the right way. And, and, and I, I may be you know, pointing out a problem without offering a solution because I, I, I might not necessarily have one. But um, it seems that there's got to be some changes in the structure of, of how these um, super high net worth people are um, compensated and how they 
um, are allowed to operate, right? The, I mean, you know, the, the, the loopholes that they use to, to keep those as unrealized mm-hmm. gains, right? And then to take loans against um, those assets, right? That's how they, they tap mm-hmm. that around it or to convert stuff in um, Ross and then, and then not sell. Um, they have those assets. Uh, that's what their worth is based on, but they take loans against them to get cash to, to fund their, their day-to-day stuff. So you have to think outside the, the box and it's not by taxing unrealized gains. It's by making fundamental change to the, to, to the system, to the structure of how it's set up, which is what we go back to a lot, right? It's uh, band-aid solutions are, are not adequate anymore. The, the institutions themselves have to change the, the tax structure, the way these um, super high net worth people are incented to skirt the tax system. And so, again, that's above my pay grade. But um, to tax a, a unrealized capital gains doesn't make a, an iota of sense, whether it's me or you or Elon Musk. Right. Um, and so they've got to find a, a, a better way to do that. And it seems like, um, you know, they should be putting uh, effort into that instead of, you know, how to win the uh, next election or um, whatever, how to appease uh, all camps. And so um, work to do still, especially when, um, you know, they're still giving it out, right? I mean, the the administration is also floating like gas cards for everybody, right? Similar to they're they're talking about in um, California. And so, I don't see the, 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 the spending slowing down. Right. And so, um, that's another point that I, that I'd like to attack as, as well is let's reduce the, the, the spending overall, um, instead of uh, constantly increasing taxes. And the other thing I, you know, I, I've pointed out before on this podcast is you literally can't tax your way out of it. Um, the debts are so big and the interest on the debts are so high that, <clears throat> Um, I think we've said it here. You can tax 100% of like everything that every company mm-hmm. makes and you're still not going to pay it back. Then what? And so you have to have a little bit different conversation, right? Yep. Agree with every single one of those points. Um, it speaks to a common theme in our podcast, fourth turning and how it's the institutions themselves, not the individual parties. You know, I, I read a poll earlier this week that said that 73% of Americans are tired of a two-system majority as it relates to political parties in this country. I think that's likely the first time in our country's recent history that that's been the case. I actually think that's healthy. I think whether we're talking military budgets, police budgets, defense budgets, you name it, uh, social service budgets, um, there needs to be a drastic rewriting of how we do things because they're making it up at this point, Nick. They're making it up. We just saw a case in Wisconsin where the Supreme Court is allowing redistricting maps that they had already decided weren't fair and 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 inclusive, right? And and were meant to kind of skirt around the demographics. And this is happening here in Texas, and it's happening in Florida. And so they're just making it up. And 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 you can't just have a system where we make it up, where we tax billionaires differently than we tax. 100 millionaires, then we tax regular millionaires. There's got to be a better way. Above my pay grade as well, I'm not a tax expert. Um, But if you're wealthy in this country, or even if you're rich, it's not hard to skirt around because of all the loopholes that you mentioned. Um, And there's that that's not fair either, right? They make everything up. And, and, you know, everything is a a broad generalization. So I should say they make lots of things up instead of everything. 
But um, I should also say that um, there's no accountability for making the things up. And that's why I was going to mention the, the red line, because um, you had Biden this week basically call for regime change in Russia, saying he should that Putin should not remain in power. Um, and people were quick to point out that, you know, Mr. Obama said the same thing about Assad, right? We had a, a red line that he was not to cross. And then he crossed it and we didn't do shit, right? And so... Um, Kept bombing other places ex- that weren't doing anything to a- us. Exactly. And when you say they make it up, they is like the global community, right? Because yeah. um, you can put out the red line, you can continue to bomb other countries, and then we just give you the, the peace prize, right? And so this has been literally just making shit up. And so... Um, what I wanted to say was about the accountability, right? A, a politician is is great at getting up there and promising you things. Obviously, that's what they do to get elected, right? Um, and then there's never any follow through, which most people with any uh, shred of common sense realize, right? That politicians never follow through um, on their promises. But increasingly, um, there's pushback against that, right? And that's what this, this societal political changes that we're growing, going through. You just mentioned the growing number of independents. Yeah, in certain counties in, in Arizona now, I was reading this week, probably part of the same uh, poll, independents are the um, the largest identifying political group, right? And um, that's par for the course, right? It's, you know, my favorite cartoon is the March of Tyranny. Like one guy saying, next time I'll vote Democrat. <laughs> yeah. The other guy saying, next time I'll vote Republican. And it's like, well, no, it's the system. It's that two-party thing that is the problem. Uh, and yeah. increasingly, people are starting to uh, realize that, right? It's like, um, yeah, I won't take it back to, to Chris and Will, but yeah, it's bigger than uh, the, the 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 two parties. And so, um, I don't know if I answered any questions about the, the tax regime or we made any uh, valid points there, but um, other than to say that it's uh, the veil is is wearing thin and it, it, it's uh, lots of things are related, right? Because stuff's starting to spiral. I mean, look at fertilizer prices, look at um, the prices of everything else. You know, I just spent a couple of days with some guys who run contracting businesses and was just listening to them, hearing about how they've got to, you know, raise prices on their bids, even for jobs that they've already uh, bid out and how their um, customers are, are responding to that and, 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 and wondering about where it's going to end. And, um, things are broken. I mean, we've talked about the the, the metals market. We've talked about, um, you know, the price of aluminum and the, the price of copper. And so um, you're getting into, into end game stuff, I think. And uh, it's time to pay attention, which is uh, why we do what we do. Endgame stuff. Let's talk gold. Let's talk the 10-year. Let's talk the dollar briefly. They're all interrelated at this point, right? We have a 10-year that hit a high of 245 earlier today. We have mortgage rates that are rising. It happens to coincide with a slowing economy that now faces, for the first time in a long time, headwinds as opposed to tailwinds. Uh, oh, and the Fed's going to rate, rate, raise rates, uh, what is it, eight more times now, nine more times, 10, 11, the market. depending on who... Depending, right, if you believe the market, which we have an inverted yield curve, and that's what it's kind of signaling. It's saying possibly recession. Not just twos and tens, like fucking fives and thirties. Fives and thirties. Those are the ones. Those are the ones that made me laugh out loud, too. Um, 
there's a lot of broken going on out there, folks. Be very, very careful. I think, you know, we, we, we've warned several times about the fact that it seems to be escalating and getting worse by the minute. But, um, yeah, look, keep, keep, keep that extra food in storage. Keep some liquidity outside of the banking system. Keep, you know, ways to defend yourself and your family. Not like Will, you know, just like, you know, sensical stuff. Um and pay attention. Thoughts on the tenure? Thoughts on gold? Thoughts on the dollar? Um, you're near inflection points is, is what I think I would say. Mm. Um, and things change. One day you don't hear any turkeys and the next day you hear 30 turkeys. Um, and so you've got to be aware of those sort of highs and, and, and lows, right? You also have to be aware that we're headed into the end of the month that Lots of people need to look better because they got their asses handed to them in January and February. And so uh, to me, that would be the reason you've seen the S&P delivered like the best one week growth since whatever the stat and the headline says 2016. And, and the reason that the VIX came pulling back down to, to 20 after staying uh, relatively elevated uh, in the past uh, couple of weeks and um, months. Right. So uh, they got to paint the quarter end. It's not just a month end. It's a, it's a quarter end. And, and it wasn't a, a, a great one. And so if you look at things like you mentioned, if you look at the um, rates, if you look at uh, dollar, if you look at the VIX, um, they're all near like um, what we would say is like support or resistance, right? We're not like in the middle of, of anything. I think we're getting ready to uh, go back the other way, right? So, hmm. and I've been obviously wrong on interest rates so far, um, but right on a lot of other things, right on a lot of other things, though, right? And sometimes it just takes time, especially when you're dealing with the end of a quarter. So um, while gold is looking strong, I mean, you know, literally today before we reported this, it pulled back like 30 or 40 bucks, right? It was you know down to, I don't know, 1915 or something. And, um, so things are still moving. Um, what was the point I wanted to make there? Um, I think you've got rough sailing ahead in, in Q2. So um, you've got the third revision of GDP about to come out. And then in, in April, we'll get uh, the first print of Q1 GDP. And it's not going to be uh, pretty. And so I think what you're seeing is, is a bear market bounce. And I think there's a lot of pain ahead for um, stocks, especially speculative non-resource stocks, right? We talked last week about investing in physical things, right? And mm -hmm. um, I think that's still the market that you're facing. So I wouldn't be buying this uh, two-week run in the S&P and the NASDAQ and this falling off of volatility because, um, well, it's March and it's in like a lion and out like a lamb, but um, April could, 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 could growl pretty bad, I think. That's Nick saying you should probably lighten up if you need the gains, if you have gains in there. Um, in the broader indices, if, if, if you need that over the summer, you may want to front run that a little bit because I think Nick and I spoke a little bit. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Nick, but, you know, we believe sell in May is, is, is probably coming early this year. And I think that those those headwinds that that we mentioned are likely to accelerate when that happens. <laughs> Let's talk well, about stuff that's going point, in the one, other direction. One, oh, go one ahead. That is like liquidity leads liquidity needs don't cease right like i still got to pay to finish my pool i told you that we bought a house right um and when you're coming off and we've said this before 10 years of of, of bull market stock gains right there's rotations to be had right i mean um it only makes sense to, to sell some some stock gains when you're facing the 
the prospect of slowing growth, a recession, and falling stocks. Of course, smart money is going to uh, sell. Not that I'm categorizing myself at the, the, as the smart money, but I'm thinking about you know selling stock, and I've told you that I'm more in cash and a bit defensive. So yes, it's more of that, and it's um, more having conviction. I would say, like I bought more GDXJ today, ten more ten minutes before the. I've actually forgot I had a limit order set. I just got an email. Order hit. And I was like, oh, shit. Got myself Ta-da. <laughs> so, you know, because I picked my spot. Like, I knew that gold was going to sell off. I probably set that order two weeks ago, right? Waiting for gold to pull back closer to 1900 or whatever. And so, um, winner, winner, chicken dinner for me, I guess. That's it. Let's talk about where the puck is going. You talked about interest rates. Uh, I've been wrong on interest rates thus far as well. I think, you know. I'll be right soon, I believe, because I know that with current debt levels being where they are, interest rates can't rise too much further or it's really going to hit the fan, right? So one of two things is going to happen. You mentioned inflection points. I think you're 100% spot on. I think that's where we're at. We're at that point where it's not going to take a lot for something to break. And usually when one thing breaks, other things tend to break with it, right? Where the puck is going is how you maximize profits in specifically our business, which is the business of, of personally buying and selling stock. And then on the research and the publishing side, obviously sharing some of the ideas about what we're doing or what we see. Uh, we talked off air a little bit. I've been very vocal about my support for Patriot Battery Metals. We help finance that at 16 cents. I've talked about it at 35 cents, at 50 cents, at 60 cents, at 70 cents. And I've been telling you that I think the market's been slow to wake up to that. I think it closed today at $1.40 touched the high of $1.50, and the market's just starting to realize it. So here is where share structures matter. The company had to roll back its stock, eh, call it seven or eight months ago. It tightened up the share structure. It got some weak hands out of the stock. We helped finance it at 16 cents. That came with a full warrant at 25 cents. The people that wrote those checks, you and myself included, um, there, there weren't a lot of us supporting the company back then because at that point, this new emerging lithium district was just a property that they were earning into. Fast forward a little bit, drill program, first five holes, successful. They negotiate 100% of the property. They now own the entire district. They go from 20 kilometers of trend to 50 kilometers of trend. They raised $13 million in the last month and a half. And now the institutions are starting to catch on because assays are starting to trickle in and the picture starting to emerge. But now the stock's at $1.40 and $1.50 and likely headed substantially higher if it continues to hit with the drill bit. There is no easy way now for an institution to come in and take down a three, four, five, six million dollar position because the $13 million that were just raised were raised with a strategic group of people that aren't looking to blow their shares out to make 20 cents or make 25 cents on the stock. They're looking at five, six, $7 potential if this district play actually materializes the way that we think it could. Um, still early stage, a lot to get done, but there is you know, two rigs turning. There are two rigs turning and there is a 20,000 meter drill program that is underway right now. So where the puck is going is how you make the money. It's great to buy it today at a buck 40 or a buck 50 because I still believe it can be a three, four, five, six, seven dollar stock if things play out right. But man, 16 cents was nice. Absolutely. Uh, multiple bagger in very short order. Um, and that's the upside of uh, private deals when you have the access and the network uh, to be able to uh, 
get into them, right? Um, within the setup that we've been talking about, right? Um, I guess no one's uh, recycling enough lithium that we don't need Patriot battery metals deposit anymore, right? Um, it, it's partially knowing the things, right? Um, knowing what's real, obviously, knowing the, the trends and the, and the framework of the market. Um, but then be, being able to evaluate structure, as you just said, and possible uh, upside, right? Um, and we got to talk about private deals for a second because I got to send something out. Um, there's another one uh, that you and I financed at 10 cents that's already run uh, to uh, above a dollar fifty. We just wrote our 10 cent check um, like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? <laughs> right. Two and a half weeks ago, something like that. And so... Um, Thank you for that one, by the way. That's like, of course, that's like <laughs> the, the mania phase that we often talk about, right? It's been a while since I mentioned the stock charts and newsletter promotions. Like when you see this this uh, XYZ stock went up a thousand percent and this one went up 8,000 percent, like those charts come from periods like you're witnessing right now, right? Like when the London Metals Exchange breaks, when the price of whatever um phosphate is 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 going through um the roof when there's those those mismatches in oh shit where are we going to get this uh, commodity from right um that's being exacerbated exacerbated by by multiple factors in the in the case of um the war and the years of of inaction to be proactive in, in securing that supply for yourself whether it's natural gas in 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 germany or uranium in the um, United States. And so um, private deals are a way to position yourself the earliest stage possible, as close to the ground floor uh, as possible. And so um, I guess tying all that together, I'll just give you one example of a company we finance that's um, got assets here in the United States, financed it privately. Let's read my notes to make sure I'm right. First at 15 cents. Um, last year, and then again at 30 cents last year, a second private round. So you've already, um, at least on paper, doubled your money if you wrote a first check um, in the earlier financing. And then uh, here it is coming into spring the following year, and then it's raising money at 50 cents um, and about to list. And uh, I'll be writing a check into that listing round as well. And so, uh, I mean, there you have it from 15 to 30 to 50 cents in, inside of a year with a, a copper uh, gold project in the um, United States. And so uh, we have that out for accredited uh, subscribers to participate in right now. I just set it out last week and there's a, another one coming up in the um, silver space. And we've talked about gold, but we haven't really mentioned silver, which is starting yeah. to look better as well. Um, and uh, got to say the things that you got to say about silver, um, you know, no high quality, uh, real pure silver plays. Um, when you do find one with a good structure, it, um, it tends to perform well. We could talk about silver hammer or something like that. Again, coming back to structure. So um, this week and into next week, we'll be financing a, a private silver deal in Hodge Family Office. One that I found privately since um, 2016. That's only now going public because what? The, the macro market conditions are, are right for a new silver story. And it's just put together a deal with Pan American to get some of its assets. Um, and the timing is just right for resource stories, as we just covered with, with Patriot Battery Metals, et cetera. And so, um, again, you know, 10 cents to $1.50, 10 cents or 16 cents to $1.40. Like that type of action is 
uh, tough to get in uh, consistently, at least in open market, public market buys. But yep. uh, on the private side of things where uh, the status quo is discounts to market and potentially uh, warrants to buy more without risk, um, then it behooves you to position in, in some of these plays. And so if you're interested in copper gold in the United States or you're interested in pure silver plays in um, South America, then I've obviously got a product for you. We've got uh, open placements in, in those two very deals now. So uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it today, just, just for a little bit. But um, I, I guess that's about it. Uh, they compound over time because one, uh, there's always a new deal right around the corner. And uh, two, the warrants give you uh, options, right? To um, trade around positions, to sell some shares, to exercise, which is what we're doing. I guess I'll talk my book for another second. Like we got 30 cent warrants in, in Kucho that we're exercising. That's a 60 cent stock. You know, it's good just to have this portfolio over here to say, you know, what day do, what day this year do I want to make 100% of my money real quick, you know? Um, and same with critical elements. So we've got warrants there at 40 or 45 cents, and that's like a dollar thirty stock. And so it's a good place to be when you're watching the S&P go down 10% in a quarter. And, hmm. and you can look at your warrant portfolio and just see multiple um, three-digit winners in the money that you haven't even exercised yet. And so um, that's the sort of style of investing that allows you to compound, to get that generational wealth, and to get to the, to the next level, right? Because honestly... Uh, if I had never written that first check for that silver company in, in 2016, the one that I was just mentioning, you know, uh, my past half decade and my career trajectory would probably look a bit different if I hadn't taken the time uh, to figure that out. Right. And um, I guess I'll send myself to jail for a second. Um, you know, I certainly <laughs> wasn't um, the proper definition of one who should be participating in private placements, let's say, when I first started doing so. But um, I've also been uh, one to ask forgiveness and not permission. So you have to read between the lines there. I would say, I won't say. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. You, everybody can read between the lines. Um, let's talk about accountability. And, and, you know, we have to end it in a little bit with, the story about the millions of palm-sized flying spiders that could invade the East Coast, because I don't believe we've touched on that yet. But we have to talk a bit about Leah Thomas. Sure. Right? For those of you not familiar, Leah Thomas is a swimmer who is trans and has transitioned um, into a woman and is cleaning up. But was a man. Beating... Was Born a man, man absolutely. Went through, male, went through male puberty. Correct. Went through male puberty. Identified as a woman. Um, identifies as a woman now. Um, and and so Leah Thomas is, is is swimming her ass off, cleaning up, cleaning everybody's clock in the pool, competing against other women. And so, when we talk about accountability. You talked about woke culture. I don't even like the word anymore because it means so many different things to so many different people. But let's just talk about common sense, right? Common sense. If I, Gerardo, am born physically with male genitalia and I go through male puberty. Go ahead, Nick. 
Bi biologically, correct. But I identify as Mariah, right? Oh, and I, I <laughs> and I decide that I want to look more like how I identify. And I take the course of, of, of going through my transition and I'm accepted as Mariah and that's all fine. No, everybody has the right to identify however the heck you want to identify, right? As long as you're not intruding on people's personal space, freedoms, liberties, all of that. But you can't tell me that Leah, who went through male puberty and has, you know, all of the advantages that come strength-wise, physically, from going through male puberty, you can't convince me, and if you can, please do so, because maybe I'm ignorant, but you can't convince me there is not an unfair advantage if she's just competing against women that haven't gone through that transition and didn't benefit from being biologically born as a male. Am I wrong in my thinking of that, Nick, in your opinion? We haven't talked about this out there. We haven't, you know, exchanged ideas. I have no clue how you feel about it. It just, again, that doesn't seem transphobic for me to think that. That seems like common sense. You would think it's uh, common sense. And the reason you can't be convinced <clears throat> is because she does have an unfair advantage. Um, it's pretty, it's as simple as that. Um, I'm going to go to the military for a second because um, I remember when, um, you know, like the elite teams of the military, the, the SEALs and some units of the Marines, um, women wanted to, to enter. And of course, they should be able to enter. Um, what I, what I remember discussing at the time was their inability to pass the physical tests as written. Um, and so they had to change the tests. Why? Because the women are physically, and don't take this the wrong way, um, I won't say inferior, not as strong as men. It's a fact. They couldn't do this. M most. They correct. couldn't do uh, on the whole, like it, just the mu muscle density and how high they can jump relative to how big their muscles are and how much they can carry relative to how muscles, how big their muscles are. Uh, they can, they do less. And anyway, so they couldn't do the same amount of sit-ups or pull-ups or push-ups or whatever. And at the time I remember saying, well, that's fine. And it's, it's, you can even talk about like Asians in Harvard, for example, like, are these the, is, are these the rules to get in or are these not the rules to get in? Right. And so they had to change the rules or change the test um, to apply to women uh, because men and women are different physically. Right. And so um, that sort of is what I'm using as a proof of why Leah Thomas is different physically. Right. She is, um, physically superior to the, the females that she's swimming against because her body is in fact male. Um, and I'm all for uh, transgender inclusion and you're right to be whoever you want. I, identify <laughs> as uh, whatever you want, not even whoever. I don't care Absolutely. if you're a fucking houseplant. But um, your hands and your feet are still the size of a man's. Um, and they, they don't know that you identify as female and so, and then, um, to have you compete against biologically born females. Um, I think uh, this is how I would feel if I were a, 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 a woman, certainly how I feel if, if, if Leah were competing against my daughters in the swim meet is that, Hey, you're detracting from who are biologically you're, born. You're detracting ladies, from right. what we're doing what we've trained so hard for, right? Like we're trying to be at the top of our game. We train hard and 
you just come in here and literally flip the switch and come in here and whoop all our asses? Like, nah, like that's not fair. And it's not because it's not. And so uh, she shouldn't be allowed to swim with the, 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 the girls is, is my uh, position. And that's not a, a non-inclusion thing, you know? It's, 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 yeah. it's, not, it's not about attending a dance or a party or being accepted or, or not discriminating against. It's your body is not a woman's despite what you identify as. And so um, but I, what I think is there should be, there should be transgender links is where we're going to have to go. Uh, if this truly is that uh, amount of people, and, and, and keep in mind, it's less than 1% of the population we're talking about here, right? So, um, you know, I mean, I think there just has to be transgender, transgender links is, is probably the, the route we're going because it's, it's simply unfair, man. Um, it is. And, 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 and teams, women teams are writing letters to the NCAA expressing as much saying, look, we don't want her in the pool with us, not because... And we think she's got hooties. It's because it's not fundamentally fair. And I agree with that. And back to woke culture, you got to talk about society a little bit because what do the news mm-hmm. outlets get caught doing? Airbrushing her. Airbrushing her to make more her feminine. look more traditionally mm-hmm. feminine, which again is bullshit. absolute bullshit because now, now I'm going to get on my super supportive of all trans rights and LGBTQ rights because I am very supportive on that front. You, the news outlets and the media is doing a disservice to, to, to other women by deciding what the hell looks more feminine. Leah has every damn right to identify as Leah, to feel as Leah, and be beautiful in Leah's, all, all of Leah's glory. You don't need to touch Leah up to make her look more like what your definition of feminine is. That's bullshit too. So for anybody that thinks that we're only talking about you know, fairness and accountability um, because she's trans. No, I'm a big supporter of all LGBTQ rights, equality, accountability under the law, every, on all of it, on all of it. But the media got caught with their hands in the cookie jar and and, and, and that right there should have been called out a little bit more than they got called but out you, as well. Because that's equally you bullshit. You got to tiptoe around the woke stuff, right? You're not allowed to because yeah. they can cancel you. Even though what you're saying is relevant and has merit, like the fact that masks don't work, for example, um, and they'll cancel yeah. you for it and, and, and shadow ban you. And that's why it's the problem with the whole system and the state of things. And that's where we are. Let's talk about the spiders before we get out of here, Nick. Oh, man. Um, it was crazy. <laughs> Wouldn't be a bizarre world without millions of palm-sized flying spiders invading the East Coast. <laughs> it was a couple of weeks ago. So let me let me see if I can remember this right. Um you know, we've had a bunch of invasive species recently. Um, I'm from the East Coast, so I know about East Coast invasive species. First, we had the snakehead, um, which was a fish that, that came, I think, in shipping containers and leaked out. And now snake, snakeheads are, are up and down the East Coast, certainly in Maryland, Delaware, and, and Northern Virginia. Um, and those are fish that can like live out of water, man. They, they look like a snake. They, they sit with their face out of the water anyway going on a tangent but and and they can get out and walk man they get out like walk to the next pond and if they don't make it for a while they can like go to a puddle and like live in the puddle for a little bit anyway they're crazy um but apparently they're delicious Uh, and so there's been a a series of invasive species the one of the more recent ones is a lantern fly i don't know if you've heard of that one um it's a beautiful bug, man. bright red, looks like almost like a little miniature butterfly, but it will kill all your fucking trees because it sucks like the sap and mm. vitamins out of them, taps into the bark. Uh, and so if you live in Maryland or Pennsylvania, Jersey, you're supposed to kill every single lantern fly you see. 
Um, and this is a part of globalization, obviously, having shipping containers going all around the sure. world and transporting invasive species. So the newest one uh, is this spider. And let me see. Um, I'll pull up the article. Pound-sized spiders. But what got me was um, how fast these spiders can multiply. So it's a black and yellow spider that's like this big. Uh, like bright black and yellow, looks like it'll eat your face off, is apparently not poisonous, um, but they're going to be everywhere on the East Coast, as you said, and this is why. Um, they lay like thousands of eggs at a time, and when the egglets hatch, um, they can fly these little tiny spiders on like silk parachutes and get caught in the wind. <laughs> they're fancy. <laughs> and so they can just disperse the spiders in the wind with their little silk parachutes. And so they think that these palm-sized black and yellow <clears throat> spiders are gonna be all over the uh, East Coast in a matter of years. It's called the Joro spider, J-O-R-O. -O. Um, and so just another one uh, on the list to add to, but you know that would be something. I mean, you know, we really don't have giant spiders like that on the, the East Coast and to see uh, millions of them. It would be like the, the locusts, right? Which everybody talks about when, when they come out. So are the cicadas. Um, anyway, glad I'm on the left coast for that one because palm-sized spiders don't sound fun. It's a bizarre world out there, folks. Um, a couple of deals that will be going public here soon that I know both Nick and I participated in, companies that we've owned privately for quite some time. Something to put on your radar, good gold, copper play is going to be um, load metals should be public next Tuesday, not this week, but next. Uh, we talked about Patriot, we talked about critical elements, we talked about all of the different private deals. Look, not everyone is going to be a 700, 900,000% uh, win, but it, 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 those add up really quick when you're able to have three, four, five of those, you know, every 12 to 18 months especially if you're writing checks that, you know, actually count, right? So I would encourage everybody to take a peek at load metals here next week as it goes public. And then I think there's a couple of other public ones that are coming on board that I'm sure you'll be happy to talk about soon, Nick. Yeah, I'm looking at my list. Um, load is on there, obviously. Um, we had one called Lannister that is working mm -hmm. through the filing process. Uh, should be by May-ish. An oil deal, which is interesting considering mm -hmm. uh, the price of oil. Um, I haven't seen any concrete filings, just uh, note of exempt filings, uh, note of exempt distributions. And then um, we have the bank. We have a private bank, which That's is right. not resource, which is um, supposed to be uh, at least accepted from a regulatory standpoint by the end of the summer. So. Uh, that'll be exciting heading headed into to late 2022. So you said it earlier, 2022 is shaping up okay. Um, and I have to agree with you as long as um, you're positioned uh, properly because 2022 being okay is different from 2021 being okay in the, the stocks that are going to go up uh, as a result. Well said. Well said. So we got this week, everybody. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was number 162 of Bizarro World. Keep your hands to yourself, everybody. And keep my name out your fucking mouth. <laughs>